being a perfectionist is holding you back. The reality is it doesn't need to be perfect. Oh, you're going to love this conversation with trained lawyer and life coach, Jenny Toe. Jenny goes into imposter syndrome, how to identify it, how to overcome it, and much, much more. You don't want to miss this conversation, so stay tuned. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have Jenny Toe. We're so excited to have you here, Jenny. Let me give our audience just a little bit of background about you. So Jenny is a qualified lawyer in the UK, Singapore, and Malaysia with about 24 years experience in corporate litigation. She is also a professional life coach who is certified as a Canfield trainer and success principles and some other very interesting stuff which you're going to dive into. Thank you for being here, Jenny. Please introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you, Priscilla, for uh, having me as your guest. Uh, it's, it's great to be here. Yeah. So thanks for the introduction as well. That was uh, quite a nice summary. I'm a trained lawyer by profession and being in the legal career for over 24 years. So you can sort of guess my age by now. <laughs> I pivoted to be a trained life coach in uh, 2019. That was because I felt that if I didn't go into coaching, it was something I would regret for the rest of my life. So backtrack a bit. I was working as a legal counsel in a local bank as a mid-level manager. I was exposed to coaching then, but it was more in an organizational structure. And I fell in love with it. And that was in 2015. But I decided to park that aside due to the full-time job and family. But it was always this feeling in me that was nagging me uh, in that, yeah, I need to do this. So eventually in 2019, I felt that God was telling Telling me, Jenny, you have to do this because you're going to regret it. So I did that. I trained as a coach in 2019. I started my business, River Life Coaching, at the peak of the COVID pandemic last year. So I must admit, my journey as an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, as a life coach has not been easy, but it has been rewarding, which we will talk about more later. I love that you went out for it and you followed that calling that you felt that this is what I need to do. Jenny, what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned? So far, whether it's a corporate career or entering into being a life coach, what are the biggest takeaways that you'd say you've learned so far? I guess for my legal career, when I was much younger, I am a perfectionist or what I can call a recovering perfectionist. So, so back in the day, <laughs> I used to get very stressed and anxious if, if things were not what I felt to be right or to be perfect. So as I grew as a person over the years and also, you know, having gone through coaching training, a lot more self-awareness, I've realized that being a perfectionist, you are actually telling lies to yourself in that, you know, you feel that everything needs to be perfect and, and you hold yourself back. But the reality is it doesn't need to be perfect Almost everything in life does not need to be perfect unless maybe per perhaps you're performing brain surgery, then you need to have a very narrow margin of error. But mm. anything else, you know, good enough is good, is fine. So that's one of the lessons I've taken in, in my whole journey as a lawyer and now as a life coach that sometimes we just hold ourselves back because we think we need to get it 100% right. We need to get it perfect before we can put ourselves out there or before we can feel confident or before we can uh, build relationships. And the result is actually we are holding ourselves back. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that because I feel, I don't know if it's a woman thing or maybe it's also a man thing. I don't know. We want to be so perfect to the point that a lot of times people don't do anything because they're just hoping to be perfect. But how can you be perfect without doing? 
Exactly. So, Priscilla, I'm not sure whether it's a woman thing. I think it's a, more of a human nature, but mm. it's an added pressure for women. And I feel very strongly about this because we tend to judge ourselves more harshly. I think as a career woman, as a mother, or you know, even a young professional starting out, we have a lot of expectations on ourselves. And perhaps that is actually one of our major obstacles. We don't realize it. And we feel in this society with the gender bias and the inequality that we need to prove ourselves again and again, whether that is our own perception or whether that is culture, uh, societal expectations as well. Here in Asia, because I'm based in Singapore, we've moved and there's been great developments in, in the area to narrow the gender bias issue. But the reality is, you know, women still don't get paid as highly as their male peers. Okay, but probably that's another topic altogether that I'm quite passionate about. But yeah, I think it's a human nature thing, but it's accentuated more in women because we tend to judge ourselves quite harshly to begin with. Very true. That's a very important topic. Now, what made you really go into coaching? What was it that you'd say the moment or the message, or whatever it is that really pushed you into saying, this is what I'm going to set out to achieve as a coach? Yeah, well, when I talk to people about how I got into coaching, I always say that it's a heart matter, H-E-A-R-T, a heart matter. So I felt this uh, unease in me and I've prayed about it and also discussed with my husband about it and, you know, did a lot of thinking because I'm also very intellectual. So did a lot of thinking. So it's kind of like a battle between the head and the heart. But at the end of the day, I felt peace. Like you said, if you keep waiting for it to be perfect and until you got all your facts right before you take the leap, you're never going to do anything. So eventually, it was a leap of faith for me. I don't know whether it was because Christmas 2018, we were discussing and then came January 2019. I decided to take that leap of faith and you know started looking at coach training programs to, to sign up to. So I did a lot of prayer, did, did a lot of research and somehow God opened doors and I did something that's not natural for me, which is to sign up for for a coaching school, which is uh, International Coach Academy. They're also Australian-based and they do coach training programs online for over 20 years. So my first reaction was, uh, is, is this going to be a scam? <laughs> because, you know, for me, I'm very old school. How I did my law degree was going to the university. So that was a very old school way of looking at it. So ICA, the school was already doing Zoom trainings uh, for the past five, six years. So it's been great. And doors open. So there's no one turning moment to answer your question, Priscilla, but it's a journey. It's a journey. But I did feel this unease when I resisted. And eventually when I made the decision, this sense of peace came along. So that's why I said it's a heart method. It's how I mm. feel it in my heart. Yeah. Since you've started your life coaching career, what are the common mindset blocks that you see entrepreneurs have? So we've touched about it, especially when you're starting out, you feel that you need to get prepared. How to set up my business? What's my business plan? Do I have enough finances, budgets? I'm not saying don't plan. You know, starting mm -hmm. a business is a big thing. So you plan. But at the same time, one of the main obstacles is for me personally that I felt that I needed to get it right before I can actually do it. That sort of delays things. So actually come to a place when you feel that you have enough information, but see it more as a journey. So once you have like the main building blocks there to start your business, just go ahead and do it. You know, it's kind of trial and error. Get it up and running, see how it goes, but you will never get it perfect the first time round. It's a learning process as well. That's one of the main obstacles I find. And I guess another one is once you've started your business, and if you're a solopreneur, I, I run this on my own, it can be a very lonely journey. 
and that's when self-doubts come in, especially if you are transiting from another career. This is not your first business or this is not your first career. You're moving from something to something. Uh, there's a lot of self-doubt and the journey being alone, going at it, it just makes it, I guess it makes it more scary for some mm. people. Uh, Jeannie, I know that you're going to dive into this for us because you can tell us what is imposter syndrome? And how would you define it from your personal experience? I would say imposter syndrome is the feeling that, one, you're not good enough. So one, I feel, so it's an inward thing, I feel I'm not good enough. So that's one aspect of imposter syndrome. The second one is your fear that others will find out that you're not good enough. So it's two layers. One, you feel you're not good enough. And another one is others will find out that you are a fraud. Most people with imposter syndrome will have this thinking in varying degrees. How do you identify that? What I'm experiencing or what's going on inside of me that this is imposter syndrome? An example that I've gone through personally is I may have the skills. I know intellectually that I have the skills, but at the same time, I feel that I'm a fraud. So factually, it doesn't quite gel with my emotions. So that's one sign where you have self-doubt that paralyzes you from taking a next step. And a lot of uh, people who go through imposter syndrome are also, how shall I put it, perfectionists or they have high expectations of themselves. So although they know what they're supposed to do, they hesitate, whether it's in a corporate organization, they hesitate to put forward their best piece of work, to speak up in meetings, to contribute, even though they know their stuff and they may be seen as experts. So they hold back because they feel that you know others might eventually find out that they are a fraud if their output is not good enough. That's one of the two examples that I can think of. How do you overcome that, Jenny? Because like you said, there's nothing wrong with you, the person. You know your stuff. It's just the way that you're perceiving things, but you've got your stuff in order, right? How do you overcome that? The, the first thing is to recognize that you do have this feeling and that you do have this fear. And then mm-hmm. I like to say, Take a helicopter view of things. You know, sometimes when we're so busy, we're really engrossed in what we're doing. We don't see clearly because we're too involved. So float yourself above it so you can think of helicopter or you're floating up in a hot air balloon or what some people like to say, a fly on the wall. Pause whatever you're doing when you start to feel these feelings. So firstly, you will know that these feelings come up if you're aware of your sensations in your body. Like when I get stressed, I know that my shoulders tense up. So it differs from people to people. So when I feel a certain tension, that's like my trigger to say, okay, Jenny, what's going on here? Then I I float myself up or I take a helicopter view of things and then look down. So let's just say it's doing a presentation. So I will look objectively as though I'm another person floating up, looking down. And it's like, okay, I've actually done the prep work. I have actually prepared. I know what I'm doing. So where is this coming from? So it helps if you take yourself out of the situation and evaluate it objectively. So so that's more like for a specific task. I guess overall, if it's just a sense that I am an imposter throughout my life and all that, then you need to go deeper and really question yourself, how true is this? Ask yourself that question. And if the answer is, it's true, it's true, then you ask yourself, is it true all the time? So it may be true for one particular instance, but if you think about it, so so it's like questioning yourself to say, one, how true is it? And then even if you say, yes, yes, it's true, because in the beginning, we, we challenge ourselves in that way. We don't want to admit we have imposter syndrome. Then just ask yourself, is it true 
all the time. If it's not true all the time, then there are times when it could just be you lack a bit of confidence, but that doesn't mean you're an imposter or it's just not something you're skilled in, which is fine. You're not meant to do everything. Yeah. Uh, I love that. When I was listening to you, I was just thinking of the idea of kind of dispelling your own myths, you know, going back and saying that I've done the prep work. I am qualified. I'm here because I have something worth saying. Do affirmations help in that? I don't know. You tell me, Jenny. Thinking of the early entrepreneur, is it important in your routine to talk to yourself in a certain way? Yes. Words that you use are also very important. I've actually just recently coached a female professional. She likes to use the word try. I know it doesn't directly answer your question, but I just want to illustrate the importance of words. So she'll say, I try to do this. I try to do that. That's when I stopped her. I said, what are you willing to commit to. So change your word from I try to I commit. There is a difference there. You can also feel the difference in energy. I try means, okay, if I can't do it, then I won't do it. But if I commit to doing it, then yes, it will happen. Uh, starting up entrepreneurs, if you say, oh, I will try and launch this, or oh, maybe I'll give this a shot and see it works. It's fine to experiment, but phrase it a bit differently. Let's just say you have a new marketing plan. I tried this marketing plan for three months. Doesn't sound as convincing as if you say that, okay, I have a marketing plan. I have the framework for it. I will do this for the first week and see the results, whether it's SEO marketing or whatever. And then the second week, I'll evaluate what's going on. So in a way, it's almost not say suppressing your emotion, but have a plan and have timelines and just go with it despite your feelings. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it's that commitment. How committed are you to it? So when the imposter syndrome comes up, you're saying that, okay, I'm not good at it yet, but this is something I'm willing to work on. So for entrepreneurs, whether it's financing or uh, marketing or even product development, you know, it's all new right now, isn't it? So commit yourself to a time period. And again, being a perfectionist, if you feel the need to control everything, let go because you are not misdo it all. Although most women feel that we can do everything. Let go. See how you can delegate or outsource and get help. Even if you can't afford paid help, see who in your network, your friends, your neighbors who can help you out with certain things. So the main thing is to keep an open mind and leverage on your resources out there. We are not alone. So although in the beginning I said that our journey as entrepreneurs, it may seem lonely, but the reality is we have friends and family and people who are willing to help if only you ask. So that's why imposter syndrome also has many facets to it. It also prevents us from asking for help because we think, remember the second tier of uh, imposter syndrome, how it shows up, we fear that others will judge us. So when we ask for help, we're thinking, oh, will so-and-so think that I'm not good at what I'm doing? That's why I'm asking for help. That's not true because you're asking for help because this is an area that you're not good at, but you're good at mm -hmm. the other areas. That's really powerful. Uh, since I heard you talking about words, I remembered when I was on your website, if you can just remind us the name of your website. River Life Coaching. I was on your website and I saw an exercise that you do with words. Explain that to us a little bit because I found that really, really powerful. Are you talking about the, the analogy of the river yeah. and, and the process and all that? So that's based on the model that I came up with uh, when I was thinking mm -hmm. of forming River Life Coaching is how I believe my coaching process will be for my clients. So mm -hmm. I use the analogy of a river to relate to your life. So your values, your core values and your strengths that is your river source, the source of the river. And how the main river flows is your life purpose, the direction of your life. So 
If you know your values, the source of your river, that's where your river will flow. But a lot of us, our river will not flow as well, or it may meander, or it may be blocked because we are not living our life purpose according to our values and our strengths. That's why there's the misalignment and that's why there's a lot of stress and anxiety and also unhappiness. Wow, very, very powerful. I really liked that model. Now, just to finish up on that, Jenny, how can you make sure that you are flowing the right way based on your analogy? How does someone make sure that they're in alignment with their values and everything else? I take my clients through the first initial coaching session. Even before we begin coaching, I will have a discovery call with my clients. So that will just be about half an hour just to find out whether that person knows uh, his or her value. So a lot of times they say, oh, actually, I've never really thought about it. Not too sure what my values are. So I do offer certain assessments and some of them are actually free online that you can try out to just discover what your values are. And one of it is called Values in Action Survey, and it's uh, based on positive psychology teachings, and it will tell you what your five core values are. So once you discover your values, then we will talk about how you want to, whether it's an area that you intend to work on, just say it's career. So how is your current career sitting with your values? So let's just say you're a person who whose value is love. That means you're very open and you love people in general, but you're in a job where you're not interacting with anyone. I'm an introvert, so yes. there are times where I need my quiet time, but let's just say your value is love and you enjoy interacting with people and reaching out, but you're in a job that's basically, I don't know, dealing with information or data. And, and that's a misalignment there. If you want to tweak your current job without changing, see how you can open up and get more interactions with people. Even just mm -hmm. changing a few tasks might make you feel happier because not everyone wants to change their jobs. But if someone is thinking of pivoting out from their current role to another role, then see what their core values are and what their strengths are. Thank you for giving us that, Jenny. That's really, really powerful. To jump to a different topic, Jenny. How can a new entrepreneur stay mentally fit? You're starting out as an entrepreneur. It's highly stressful. There's all these things you haven't done before. Self-doubts and things can just creep in. Any tips or routines to how we can stay mentally fit as early entrepreneurs? So think of the analogy as how do you keep yourself physically fit? So if you exercise once a month, it won't keep you fit. So you need to do your, if you're a jogger, you need to jog regularly. And if you like going to gym, you need to exercise regularly. That's how you get physically fit. For mental fitness, have certain routines that you practice daily. For some people, it could be just meditating. For, for believers, you know, we spend time with God and we spend time in prayer, whether it's the start of the day or the end of the day. So develop routines that are consistent. So in terms mm -hmm. of mental fitness, prayer is good, journaling is good, meditation is good. And also another thing that comes up is that there are voices in our head, as we already talked about, our saboteur voices. So it could be your judge telling you you're not good enough. That's sort of tying into the imposter syndrome that we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Your judge saying you're not good enough. You're not good enough. So how do you practice mental fitness there? Once you are aware, well, it's coming from within you, but it's not helping you. It's not a voice that's mm -hmm. helping you. You know, you're not good enough. Suspend yourself again. Suspend any action before that. And then just ask yourself, how true is it? Am I not mm -hmm. good enough? And if the answer, because your judge is very strong, you know, once you're aware, your judge is very strong and your judge comes up everywhere. So your judge might say, yes, Priscilla, you're not good enough. Then, mm -hmm. you know, you ask 
is it true that I'm not good enough all the time or is it I'm not good enough in this area? And just question it. And then sometimes maybe take a lighthearted look at it. Fine, I'm not good enough, but I want to do this anyway because it's fun. Don't get hijacked by these voices in your head. They come with the disguise that they mean well for you. Like, Priscilla, you're not good enough. Don't do this because people will laugh at you and you're going to be a failure. So it sounds like it's protecting you, right? But Mm. if you question it, how true is it that I will fail? And how true is it that I will not succeed? I don't even know, right? So that holds you back again from doing anything. So again, it's being aware of these voices in your head and also not letting yourself be hijacked with it. So I like the idea of really like floating yourself up and suspending any action first until you you question. Of course, if you do this in public, people might think you've gone a bit crazy because you're talking to yourself, right? <laughs> but but no, it doesn't need to be that long. It's like the moment you realize that this voice comes out and says, I'm not good enough, just stop and like say, how true is this? The mere fact that you stop yourself from acting on autopilot mode, that already is a big step in the right direction because you've stopped. You, you've you stopped to question it. Uh, you can shift your thinking then to, yes, okay, I agree. I'm not good enough right now, but for this particular piece, if it's just to write a query to a company or something, it's, it's all right, right? There's no harm. What's the worst that can happen? The company can say no, but if I don't write at all, the answer is no. Suspend your judgment. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. Les Brown has a saying that he likes to share and he says something like, the enemy outside has no power if there's no enemy inside. And that sounds like it's a lot of what you're explaining, that suspending that enemy voice inside that stops you from doing things. Powerful. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I mean, we cannot deny the fact that people outside will criticize and will give you negative feedback, especially if you've got a long career and then you pivot out. There's always critics to say, what are you doing? Why are you leaving your well-paid job to begin this You know, as an entrepreneur? And, and why are you selling this product? How do you know how successful? So you have external critics. But like you said, if you take in every external criticism and live it out in you, you're not going to do anything. You're going to be so paralyzed. But at the same time, which brings me back to my values and knowing your purpose. If you know your values and you have charted your purpose that are aligned with your values, it's something higher and beyond just yourself. And you know that what you're doing, whether it's your product or your service, will help people, will impact community. Then that's your purpose. And yes, there will be naysayers, but that will keep you on that road to say, I believe in what I'm doing. And again, it's a journey. I'm not perfect on day one. I'm not perfect on day 90, but it's my journey. That's true. Now, I have to ask you this because I've heard a lot of things. What has been your greatest takeaway working under Dr. Shazad Shamim. He is the author and Stanford lecturer of positive intelligence. Positive intelligence is a synthesis of positive psychology, something that I'm also quite passionate about, and neuroscience. So he has studied his Stanford students and CEOs and executives about their saboteur voices in their heads, how you know even high-performing athletes hold back because of their judge. So the study mm-hmm. of positive intelligence is to identify your saboteurs. And by identifying your saboteurs, you are already creating that awareness within yourself that these voices may disguise themselves as being out to look after you and all that. But in reality, you discover that they are lying. Just on his website, uh, positiveintelligence.com, there is a free assessment to discover what your top 
saboteurs are. And then from there, I will take my clients through several coaching sessions to discover how these saboteurs show up in your life, whether it's professionally or on the personal front. So for example, if I am a perfectionist, so how does that show up in the professional front? I tend to hold back, even though I know intellectually that I know my stuff, but I hold back. I don't show up as much because I'm concerned that it's not good enough. And then at home with my kids, being a perfectionist, it shows up differently. I let my kids do the chores, but I then meddle. I then say, it's not good enough. You know, I, I go mm. and meddle. And that, you know, really affects their self-esteem. Knowing your saboteurs is very powerful because it shows up in so many ways. Once my clients uh, realize their saboteurs, they say, oh, Jenny is showing up everywhere. What am I going to do? Because once you're aware, <laughs> it's like that, um, I want to buy a red car, then I see a red car everywhere. Right? So you know your saboteur, you're a perfectionist, uh, then it shows up everywhere. Uh, what are you going to do about it? So same thing. Once you're aware of it, you know it's not really your true essence, your true self. It's just mm. this voice, either you were brought up with it or you know it's through your life experiences. So again, ask yourself, how true is this? I know you're there. I don't want to listen to you because I want to do this. And I know it's my purpose to do this, being an entrepreneur and doing what you're meant to do. So that's why it's very important to know your purpose and the alignment of your values and to recognize who your saboteur voices are. Yeah, this is so impactful, Jenny. Even look at CEOs and people we look up to that they almost seem like super people because of what they've accomplished. And yet still, they're trying to break through from those sabotaging yes. voices. And a lot of times, because we're not aware of them, we accept them as yes. true. CEOs also say, especially there's this uh, saboteur called hyperachiever. CEOs or high-achieving, powerful executives will say, I need to be a hyperachiever. Look at what I've achieved. Because if I don't listen to this saboteur voice, I will never get this done or that done and I won't be CEO. But if you calm down and you think about it, are you happy during that process? Were you filled with a lot of stress when you achieved that? And most of the time, people will say, yes, I was so stressed. My family life suffered. I was so anxious. I can't sleep. I'm perpetually worried. So to move from the saboteur thinking to what Dr. Shazad Shamain says about sage thinking, it's actually stopping yourself practicing deep breathing, just doing something that gives you joy to move your thinking to something that's calmer and more big picture. So you can achieve success without stress and anxiety. That's why it's very powerful to recognize your saboteurs. It is all lies, you know, even this part about me being a hyperachiever that I need it to achieve. You have the skills, you can achieve it, but why do you need to achieve it with so much stress and anxiety? Your river is flowing through rocks, right? When you can have the rocks removed and it can flow smoothly. So a lot of times we feel that, yeah, we need to do this. We need to do it the hard way. But if you take mm -hmm. a step back, you don't have to. Mm. Oh, this is really, really, really great. Jenny, tell me, what can we do? Because sometimes you have an early entrepreneur and they want to do this mindset work or want to have at least a routine where they work on their mindset somehow even on their own or with a coach, what would you advise early entrepreneurs to do? I'm in the PQ. So PQ is short for positive intelligence. So I'm a PQ coach and I offer a six weeks uh, mental fitness training program where we use a phone app that Dr. Chamain's team has developed. So it's a phone app that pushes through uh, short exercises 
similarly like deep breathing or you know closing your eyes and and hearing the sounds around you so these are things that you can do on your own but the reason why we put it in an app and coupled with weekly uh, 30 minute coaching session is in order to cultivate a habit you do need it to be quite intensive research has shown that between 6 to 8 weeks of doing it daily that's when you have the habit to do this practices and and to build your mental muscles Oh, thank you for sharing that with us, Jenny. One quick question before we move on. People often say like, if you can't push your mind through a limitation, it means you can't do it. Would you say that's true? Or people say, well, if you can't see it, then you can't do it. Good question. I want to say that if God intended this to be your purpose, you will do it. It's our own fear. It's our own lack of belief. That that will resonate to your listeners who are believers. Oftentimes, we don't have the strength to do it, but I can do everything in him who gives me strength. Yeah. For uh, entrepreneurs who are not believers and who share a different faith, when you say, you know, if I just see it, I can do it. So the main thing is to focus on your purpose. Yes, there will be obstacles, there will be challenges, but if you truly believe this is your purpose and this is what you want, and oftentimes your purpose is stronger if you can see it impacting those around you. A bigger purpose than yourself and you feel that you are an instrument to live out that purpose. In that sense, you can do everything mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is aligned with your purpose. And be prepared to be flexible and you know take U-turns or even pivot off another road as long as you know you feel that it's right, it doesn't compromise your values. So mm-hmm. I, I would hesitate to say that you know just based on normal human abilities that I can do everything, but if you strongly believe in your purpose, that will be your compass to chart your course. Now, Jenny, we usually end with these last two questions. This has okay. been an amazing, amazing, amazing episode. What is the number one book that you would advise for an early entrepreneur to read that you feel would help them? I thought about it. I've read quite a lot of books, but I think this book is easy to read. It's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It's by the late Susan Jeffers. So Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It's a small little book and it's very easy to read. And basically, it talks about all of us have fears and mm. be aware of your fears, accept the fears, and then just do it. Do it in the sense that what are the steps you can take, little steps that you can take to face your fear. So it's not running away, it's not denying it, it's just acknowledging it that I am very fearful of public speaking, but what can I do? What small step can I do to face mm-hmm. my fear? So feel my fear and do it anyway. So it could be taking up a public speaking class, it could be speaking in front of two friends and and getting their feedback but you're doing it so feel the fear and do it anyway by Susan Jeffers thank you for that recommendation now jenny to end of our conversation what has faith meant to you on your journey it's been everything even on my website of, of river life coaching i put this verse isikil uh, chapter 47 verse 9 where the river flows life abounds so i know that context is the river is the river of life when when you have life in you when you have purpose in you your life will be abundant so for me my coaching journey has been primarily you know, focused on what god wants me to do and that is to help individuals live out their purpose in life. I feel that once you know your purpose and once you're impacting people positively, there'll be a ripple effect of those around you as well. That's a really great message to end of this conversation. Now Jenny, if people wanted to connect with you or to get a better sense of what you do, 
Um, where can they? Uh, riverlifecoaching.com. My social media, you can find it as River Life Coaching on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, or you can connect with me, Jenny Toh, T-O-H, on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Ah, thank you so much, Jenny. And thank you for a great conversation and great value. Thank, thank you. you, Priscilla. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do leave a review and let us know what kind of guests you'd like us to bring on and what exactly it is that you'd like to know. Also connect with us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives or visit our website www.reinventingperspectives.com where you can grab a free preview of our latest book, The Christian Entrepreneur's Toolkit. Thank you so much for listening in. We absolutely value your time and we value your input. Have a great day.